iTunes presents Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store. I can't help but wonder about my fate, my destiny. What if there's no wrong numbers? Maybe it's always the right number. Hello? Mom? Jeff? Hi. You know you're supposed to say hello when you pick up the phone. Get off that couch or you're going to find someplace else to live. It's kind of in the middle of something right now, Mom. Jeff, what do you do in the basement? You're not cleaning it. You really want to know? You didn't like it last time we had this conversation. Okay, no, no, you're right. I don't. We got a phone call from Randy at Millennium Porsche. We're not getting a Porsche. You're just like in this mindset. We don't have the money. Yeah, that's the mindset I'm talking about. Pass. Surprise. <laughs> Everything happens for a reason, right? That's exactly it. Jeff, Pat, I was on the truck. The truck came here. Now you're here. I was meant to have a meeting with destiny. Mom called. She's really pissed. Jeff's stuck. Maybe you could get him moving. Once again, I have to pick up your slack. What is wrong with you? Why do you want to live like this? Drifting through this life with no awareness. What are you talking about? Pat, who's that guy your wife's with? Why don't you just go in there and, t and talk to her? Oh my God, you have no idea how adult relationships work, do you? I need to find out exactly what's going on so I'll have the upper hand later. Something really big is happening here. My wife is having an affair. We don't know that yet. Let's just, let's follow this and see where it leads. I'm gonna break down the door. That's a terrible idea. I've seen you try to do things physically. Oh! I hate my kids right now. I don't know when that happened. They were so cute. I've been having this really weird dream about dad lately. He says, Pat, what's the greatest day in the history of the world? And I'm like, Dad, I don't know. And he just looks at me and he, he smiles. Says today, and he's, he's, he says today. How'd you do that? Isn't the most important thing finding someone who sees you exactly as you are? Yeah. I just want to feel that we both want to like be in love. I want it so Dude, you need to say that to her. Stay in the car. I am fine. Yes, thank you for asking. Good. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Jordan Hoffman, and tonight's guests, Mark Duplass, Jason Siegel, and Ed Helms. Hello. Hi there. Hello. Hello, everyone. Thank you for coming. Uh, my name is Jordan Hoffman. I'm very famous on the internet. <laughs> and to my right are three uh, fantastic individuals, Jason Siegel, Mark Douglas, and Ed Helms. And uh, I have the good fortune, I've actually had a chance to see Jeff, who lives at home, in its entirety. And it's really, really, really good. Congratulations on that. It's funny, it's, uh, and it brings a tear to your eye. Which I was not expecting, uh, really. I, I went in for, you know, I thought it was going to be a, a fun, goofy comedy, and I left really fulfilled. It's a real, you know, couldn't stop thinking about it for days. So that's uh, the best compliment I can give it. Um, so one of the things that's really fun about the movie is something that your, your names are behind you. You guys, it, you guys have to swip, switch places. Spiritually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sort of the driving force of the film at least one of the driving forces is a character played by Jason who's constantly looking for signs. And whereas some people might say, well, that's just a wrong number. It doesn't mean anything. His character says, well, it's a sign. It means something. I must follow this. And maybe he's right and maybe he's wrong. 
Um, and usually it's a topic of conversation late at night after a lot of beers or something. But I'm wondering if there have been examples in your lives where you thought of something, oh, that, that had to have been a sign and somebody thought you were absolutely nuts. So let's, why don't we start here at the end and work our way down. Uh, well, my early like 20s, I was completely out of work. Uh, and the sign I was waiting for was getting cast. And I was like smoking a lot of pot and just kind of... Uh, and then I did sort of realize that if I was, if I was going to be waiting for a sign, I was going to be waiting for a really long time. And so I just started writing and took the bull by the horns. So I understand the notion of waiting for signs, but I kind of fall on the other side of things, that it's, uh, life is what you make of it, you know, and you've got you to take some initiative. All right, so that's, if you're keeping score, that's one for n not following signs. Let's, uh, I'm, 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 I kind of wish I was more like Jeff, you know, the, um, and so for us, it was less about how we feel about signs, but more about creating a hero of a movie whose favorite movie is the movie Signs. Um, and that, that to us is, I don't know how many of you remember that movie very well, but to love that movie as deeply as Jeff loves that movie, <laughs> basically means you don't have an ounce of cynicism in your body. And that is a pure protagonist, and that's the kind of hero I want to watch for 90 minutes. So that's kind of where our movie started. I don't believe in signs. But I love the sort of mystery of it. And I love the possibility that it's real. I'm just not convinced that it is. I, I'm much more in the... Uh, in the same camp as these guys. You're spiritually bereft, basically. I, I, I hate spirits. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, well, Ed, your character is the brother of, of Jeff, uh, who just the costuming alone is, is worth a long conversation. A, a bright red shirt for a paint store that we never actually see you in. Do you actually work at that store? Or? Um, I, I did, uh, I, I, for three months, I worked in a paint store. To get the motivation. Just because I'm real method that way. Uh, no, no, uh, he, it's, it's unclear if he works in the man, in management of this paint company or is it a store that's not really addressed, but it doesn't really matter either. You just get it instantly. And if you've got the evil Spock goatee also, which yeah. is really remarkable. Was that in the script, evil Spock goatee or was that, uh, um, we, we did write goatee, but we wanted everyone to bring their own interpretation to the goatee. So, you know, we didn't want to nail it down. That was a lot. We we talked a lot about Pat's look. We did. And what uh, there were there were some. There's a doucheometer on it. Like how douchey is he going yeah. to get? And I th there, there was there was some talk of like the hairstyle. What would that be? And I I think we wound up in a pretty good place because like people have facial hair for lots of different reasons. And I think Pat is someone who just had facial hair for the wrong reasons, which is to. <laughs> To, to cling to something that he thinks is cool, but doesn't know. Well, that's kind of a lot of what his character is. But it's interesting because, you know, it sounds like we're joking around us talking about the, the beard or the shirt, but it is a very, um, the script is very um, sparse in a way. There's only like the slightest hints at what these characters' other prior lives are, and you kind of have to fill in the gaps your own as they go on their adventure, which I quite like, actually. I think it's really refreshing in, a, in an era where so many movies shove things down your throat in a lot of bombastic scenes, which is something you don't get out of this. So the thing that struck me was, you see the title, Jeff Who Lives at Home. You say, oh, this is a movie about a guy, he's a slacker, we've seen 500 man-child movies, who needs to see that again? 
And within 60 seconds, we see your performance, and there's a very unique spin on this. So I imagine that you were very cognizant of the fact that the marketplace is somewhat glutted with stories of the man, the man-child trope, which is a trope that I very much aspire to. Uh, so, uh, tell me a little bit of how you developed the character and, and the, the English you put on the ball, so to speak. Because sure. it's very unique. Spin. Well, I I didn't have to do very much thinking. Uh, the brothers. Um, wrote the script just beautifully and the character was really well drawn. I had never thought of him as a slacker or a stoner. I think of him as a... He is doing pot at like 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, but I think that's a side effect of being uh, of waiting more than it is anything else. Um, I think that he's Chauncey Gardner to some extent. He's a watcher and he's, uh, he's taking everything in and he doesn't feel the need to say or do anything that doesn't pertain to this journey that he's on. And so as a result, he's kind of crippled by it, but it's like the day that they chose to write about was the day that it goes down. Right. Yeah. Um, but I never thought of him as a slacker. I just thought of him as like a coiled spring sort of laying in wait. Well, you know, it's funny because you do a lot of physical comedy in this film, more so than I think you've done in the past, I think, but it's not like falling down stuff. There's a lot of like hiding and sitting in tubs and your legs are coming out and there's a lot of stuff about you are tall. It's that I'm gigantic. <laughs> I know it really is. There's a lot of jokes about that I am like a Sasquatch. <laughs> which is fine. It's only like 36. It's fine. Yeah, in a hooded sweatshirt, it looks dopey. Yeah. In a sweater, it looks sexually attractive. Yes. For what it's worth, I never thought of you that way until Thank this you. movie. And then I'm like, my God, he is a giant. He can't even hide behind a candy machine. This is I terrific. Know. Uh, but I want to see more of that now. And now that I know that you have this in you, I, I want to see you hiding behind things in many... In many <laughs> what you look it's, it's really funny stuff. Thank so you Your dreams much. tonight are going to be super weird. <laughs> Just, uh. Thank you. Uh, I, Mentioned as a couple. So, uh, yeah, our, our friend Martin, so you are one of uh, 50% of the director slash writer F team. 51%. Yeah. Right. You have a brother who's not here. Why he, the hell he could he not here? be here? He, he just had his second baby three days ago. So, he is, he is taking care. Yes, I knew that would work. Actually, he just didn't want to come. Is, uh, no, I'm kidding. He really did have a child. Um, and he wants to be here. And he's sorry he can't be here. Uh, I'm wondering what it's like for you guys working with a pair of directors, and not just two guys, but two guys who are brothers, have known each other their whole lives, is that a unique experience? Or? It never felt for once like two separate people. It just felt like you were getting like double the brain for the price of one. Um, I, I never saw them argue, and if they did, they handled it very quietly and walked off on their own, but it was more like um, mutual excitement to be watching what was going on. They're like Master Blaster from uh, Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, there's something infectious about like the way that that Mark and Jay, um, and let's be honest, he's at, he's at the IBM store right now. Okay, um, the most boring store on earth. For those of you out there, you'll hear he's at the boop 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 store. Um, but uh, they, they have a very, uh, they're like a little feedback loop of positive energy and, and sort of positive reinforcement. And so a lot of the scenes in the movie are maybe a little heavy or poignant or, or you know, not laugh out loud, haha. But even still, like, they would come up between takes and be like, that was so cool, man. Yeah, yeah. They're like psyched together. And it's something, it just, I don't know, it's, it's fun to feed off of. We, I mean, I'm not just saying this, we don't do that with every actor. There are a lot of people we come down hard on. Uh, you guys, 
you know, they were they were great in this movie. Uh, and uh, they um, they 99% of what they gave us was gold. And, and I think you brought up a good point that I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about is that, you know, while this movie is a comedy, it's very much a dramatic comedy in a lot of ways. And, and there's some things in this movie that um, I've never seen these guys do before, dramatically speaking, that I'm just super excited to show you guys and, and I want the world to see. And it was almost... It was somewhat similar what happened with uh, with Jonah when we did Cyrus. He got to do some different stuff. And then um, he ended up in Moneyball. So these guys are going to be in Moneyball 2 um, <laughs> next year. Moneyballs. Moneyballs! Moneyballs! <laughs> Moneyball. 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 Yes. Uh, it's funny that you mention, uh, you know, sort of the more serious stuff because uh, it does, when you start to learn why these characters are having the conflicts that they are, but it happens in such an unmaudlin way which is so unique. I'm not going to name the names of movies that drive me crazy. Usually at the end of the year, the Oscar push movies that are so maudlin. This is just, hey, this is just people that have trouble in their lives and it's happening naturally. It makes me want to stand up and cheer. Um, wonder for all three of you, how far do you know to go if you want to keep it restrained where you go, well, this is an emotional moment, but we got to reel it in. You know, where is that line that clearly you want in there as the statement of your film not to be too... too too maudlin, basically. Is well, I what one of the things I love about the the the, the way these guys write is that um, they create. I mean, it's a very natural and sort of small world that the mo that the whole story takes place in, and they set up these fairly damaged, but in a very in a real way damaged characters, and and then. They set this thing in motion, and it, you get to a point like half, two thirds of the way through the movie, like what's going to happen? How's this going to play out? And then, and the same thing I felt about the way Cyrus played out, where you sort of hit this really tense moment late in the movie, and then the laws of physics take over, and it just plays out in the most sort of real, natural way, narratively, uh, that you're kind of surprised by how not surprising it is or by how natural it plays out. And that informed my, for me as an actor too, just kind of like uh, trying to be just, let that story tell itself and not try to like over emote or tell too much with what was going on. Basically, I don't know. I would say a lot of it was pretty restrained as a performer. It, it is really restrained, but I'm not putting a damper on. I'm not coming and going, guys, I was way over the top. Like, they're, they're in the zone, certainly, because um, by the time it gets to the dramatic stuff, we've shot the whole film in sequence, um, so they know exactly where their characters are. And I think part of what you're talking about is that um, these guys get to know their characters so well but that, by that point in time. We're doing a lot less directing by, by the time we're two-thirds of the way, three-quarters of the way through the film. Um, and we're just doing a little bit of, of, of guiding, but they, they are, they're on it. They know the tone. I think Ed and the director has had a much harder job than I did. And that Ed in particular had to, he had to act. And like his character, no, but I mean his character had to have moments of change and all that. Whereas mine, my job was to be sort of the steady observer. It sort of come to you in a way. Like you have this philosophy yeah. at the beginning of the film and they start to see things. I just have to listen. And so for, for me, there, there wasn't really an issue of restraint, except for the couple times Ego got involved, and I tried to, like, match Ed, match his acting. <laughs> yeah. Was that that scene where you just started yelling for no reason? Like, 
That was just about something that else. That was something else. <laughs> well, um, if there are any questions or if there's anybody, uh, I think All way, the way in the back of the corner we have a question. Uh, do you guys feel that you have to prepare differently for roles in uh, dramedies like this than you do for straight comedies? I tend to think that the best improv, because a lot of the movies I do in, in my other, you know, with my other gang are improv related, but I tend to think that it, it should all be honest. Um, and so it was very similar. You just weren't going for laughs. You were trying to just be present and be there in the moment. Uh, so I didn't prepare any differently, no. I felt a different kind of pressure that I never like verbalized because I didn't know if I was capable of doing this kind of stuff, but I knew if anyone could bring it out of me, it was these guys. I'd say the biggest difference in my preparation was just not, not being nervous about memorizing lines. <laughs> <laughs> Next question, all the way to your left. Hi. Um, <laughs> Um, I was wondering if, um, so this is more for Jason than Ed, although um, it's mostly because of characterization. Uh, kind of snowballing off of that question, when you're, when you're preparing for this role versus, you know, for instance, in How I Met Your Mother and your character in The Muppets were just so positive and excited, sure. and this character is opposite of that. And you've done that before in you know, Sarah Marshall and even Freaks and Geeks, but how, how did you bring parts of those characters or part of that experience into this movie? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, I, uh, uh, I actually feel much more like I'm acting when I'm doing The Muppets or How I Met Your Mother. Um, what's that? No, I'm not sad all the time, but life, life, is, life is complicated, you know, and when you're doing a sitcom, especially, it's kind of meant to be buoyant for the most part. And Muppets, Muppets was almost like a, an impression of like a singing in the rain type character, you know? Like, let's go to the store, guys. Uh, this is more, I think, the tone of life and it's more how I feel. You know, Sarah Marshall is a comedy, but there's some, uh, some complicated stuff in there. So I think that's more my wheelhouse. Thank you for asking. Cool, nice question right in front of you guys. I just want to say thank you for coming. All right, you guys are geniuses. You're hysterical, oh. hysterical. Um, when you guys do movies, do you, would you rather like write your own stuff or do you like getting directed and being someone approaching you saying I want you in my movie or do you have like feelings that I want to write my own I want to get out there I want to start writing all my own material or do you I don't know which one you feel better well um, yeah I, I, I really like to be involved with something as early as possible and that can sometimes mean I'm writing it or I'm developing it or I'm just sort of weighing in uh, at an early stage in the process. That, that to me is, it's important to always be doing that just so you can have even the tiniest bit of control over your destiny in this wacky business. But uh, it is also on, on a few occasions just this wonderful release to jump on somebody else's bandwagon and uh, like, like we both did on this movie and just let these guys drive the train and it was i don't know it was really fun if, if you trust the people you're involved with it's it, it, it it's it's exciting oh for me i love writing but uh it's somewhat of a, a function of necessity like uh i started writing because i wasn't getting cast in the parts that i wanted uh or like there's a story i want to tell that doesn't exist for me to do 
uh, if someone else like wrote Sarah Marshall, I would have been happy to star in it. <laughs> but that wasn't going to happen. So uh, I, it's it's a real honor to get sent scripts now by by guys like this of that like caliber that and then just be asked to do it. All I had to do was show up and act. It was it was very very nice. Next question off to your right. This is for Jason. This is two questions. Uh, how did you develop the character of Vector and Despicable Me through animation? And how were the Muppets developed and brought to life on screen? Sure. Um, uh, Vector, they gave me a sketch of the character very early. And so I just did a voice that I thought matched uh, the way that character looked. Just a puny little villain. And uh, Muppets, I, I, I started writing about five years ago because I loved them when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of the same guys who did it originally, and so it was cool to to bring them back. Yes, the puppeteers do all the voices. Yeah, you got it. There's a there's a Despicable Me two coming up around the block, right? Isn't there, there is. And uh, what next is it? Did you record the voice for that already? I, I don't think I'm in that unless they're gonna add me later. Yeah. <laughs> Does your did your character die in the first one? He gets sent to the moon, but uh, I mean, yeah, I'm but, still living. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're saving me for three. All right. Uh, <laughs> should, should we get a letter writing campaign or something? Or is it too. No, the, I'm good. You're, it's all good. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Got a lot going on. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. We need Next question to your left. Hi. Um, I'm interested in filmmaking, specifically comedy. And when I make movies, I kind of get stuck trying to make comedies because people. Like, don't take it seriously, or it's difficult to incorporate comedy and drama together. So I was wondering, as a director, how do you balance the two so people take your movie seriously, but they still, you still have a lot of comedic elements that make it a comedy? Thank you. Yeah, the question was about balancing comedy and, and drama. It is a very delicate balance. Um, I find the thing that is uh, most um, helpful for me is shooting things and screening them for my friends who are honest with me or other filmmakers who are willing to be honest with you. Um, and it's very rare, I think, that your first film is going to be great and nail it. My, you know, first ten things Jay and I made were just god-awful. Um, and so don't get down on yourself at all about that. That happens to everybody. Most people just don't talk about it. Um, so make stuff and screen it and see where it misses and be honest with yourself. And eventually you're going to hit that thing that you feel like you uniquely have to offer. And it probably has something to do with the late-night funny and cringeworthy conversations you're having with your friends at, at 2 a.m. on Saturday night. And when you can dig into that and mine that, that's probably where the essence of, of you is. Um, so I would look to that stuff first. Second and last question, front row. Thank you. Uh, Jason, I have a follow-up to the Muppet question. Yeah. And, yeah. I was reading that you might not be involved in the next project that they do. Yeah. And how's that? That's got to be, like, bittersweet for you, kind of. Oh, that was my choice. Um, okay. Yeah, I, my goal was to bring the Muppets back, and it was, uh, it was half a decade of really hard work, and all I wanted to do was to bring them back. My goal wasn't to like, become a Muppet, <laughs> and so uh, I've left them in really good hands, my writing partner and uh, the director, James Bobin, and I just I wanted a little puppet break for a while. I got pretty deep into the puppetry. And uh, I'd like to pursue some more human-related projects. 
Uh, something we didn't talk about much that uh, we saw on screen was working with uh, Susan Sarandon, who plays your mom. And yeah. you only have like one or two scenes with her on screen, right? I think it's really just one moment, really. For me, it's but just the end. Yeah. For you, it's just the end. But obviously, you worked with her on her whole arc. She has a whole other arc that's going on that mm-hmm. kind of conflates the end. I'm just wondering real quick. I mean, she's a legend. I mean, if you have uh, a moment to reflect on, on what working with her was like. Legendary. <laughs> I find her so foxy, and the only acting I had to do in the movie was pretending like I was not trying to seduce my mother. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Final question towards the back. She has a uh, her arc in the movie is um, is sort of like it's like well like the whole movie it's kind of a small thing that's happening but but it's uh but it just has massive re- repercussions for these characters and i lo- i love watching her because it, it she's it's a small like what what the character is doing is kind of minute but she's so effortless and it's it's the realest thing i think she's just and she's fantastic and hadn't done a lot of improvisation before and was really so cool and very humble about coming to set, you know, with like a bunch of whippersnappers, basically, uh, and, and, uh, and saying, I haven't done this before. I'm really excited to do this. I'm really excited to learn from you guys and how you do this. And, you know, she didn't need to be that humble, but it definitely helped settle my nerves a little bit. And she was psyched to be part of the gang. Yeah. Like she wanted to be part of the group. That's good, the good best. Good drinker, too. Yeah. One final question towards the back. Okay, first of all, Ed, my sister was too shy to ask or say anything to you, but she's in love with you, so I just had to tell you that. <laughs> but an this excellent is a, question. Yeah. Yes. Well, I actually have a question. This is the most important question of all. Who do you think did a better job hosting SNL? Who did a better job between Jason and me? You. Yeah. Well, I, sure I took that Jason. house down, <laughs> guys. Come on. You know I did. I haven't seen your episode, I actually. I haven't seen yours either. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, good night from the Apple Store. Honesty prevails. That's fantastic. Uh, well, listen, uh, the movie comes out this weekend, this Friday. It's yeah. playing all over town here in New York. And call your friends back home. It's playing in their towns also. Yeah. It's really, really good. I wouldn't bullshit you. It's really good. Thanks again to our friends, Thank Jason. Thank you so much. Mark, Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Thanks very much. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.